Welcome to another exciting weekend message from Encounter Church. For more information, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. All right. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Jared Lanza. I am the lead pastor here, and it is my great honor and pleasure to be able to uh, speak to you and to deliver what I believe is a very important message today. I'm excited because we are beginning a brand new message series for our month of July called Dying to Live. And I think in our lives, all of us are looking to live and experience life as much as possible. We are trying to squeeze every single drop out of life that we can get. I can't tell you how many, how many people, particularly young adults that I have met, that have said, I just want to learn as much as I can. I just want to experience everything as possible. How many of you have ever heard that when you go to college, the whole reason of going to college, aside from education, is to experience things and to experience life? Anybody ever heard that before? That's a very common thing. And I think in our lives, we are the same. All of us, every day, we are pushing forward, trying to squeeze as much out of life as possible. And yet, the problem is, is that I think oftentimes we are standing in our way, in our own way. And so, the whole concept of this message series, Dying to Live, is that we need to get to a place where we understand that we can't truly begin to live until we die to our own selfish desires and be able to see that there's a different, a better way to live. And so, this entire month, we're going to be doing a study out of the book of Romans, chapter 12. And I encourage you each week to read the chapter of Romans 12, maybe the whole thing, or you could follow along because each week's going to be about two or three verses through the whole chapter. Today's verses are from chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And so we're going to start right away by reading the scripture. So I encourage you to bring your Bibles. If you have them, pull them out. If you have a tablet, turn it on and open up your Bible app. There are notes in your program as well, which has the verse there, as well as get out a pen so you can take notes and the verse will be on the screen here. So let's read together. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And then he goes on to say, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That last part is where I kind of want to hone on right here. It says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. What God's will is. This is that, that design of life we keep talking about. You hear me say it all the time in my messages, that God has a has best for us, that we could live our lives in a way that may be good. There might be things that we could do that would be pretty good, that we could be satisfied with or be happy with, but there is a design of life that God created, not just for me or not just for you, but for all of us to live together on earth. God's best for our lives. The trouble is, is that the question is we walk around all the time wondering, well, how do I know what's right? There are so many competing opinions everywhere we go. We're all walking around life like we have blinders on because everyone is telling us that what's right and what's wrong, and there's so many different opinions everywhere. The image that came to my mind was it's sort of like walking through a crowded forest of trees in a fog. And we have an image here. Imagine that. Imagine if you were trying to walk through this forest with a thick fog in front of you. 
you would, you, would, you would smack right into trees or tree branches would, would you know, hit you in the face. You'd end up scratched and bruised up. And isn't that what life is really like? Isn't that what our lives are like? We go through life really not knowing the answers, not knowing what to do, how to fix our solutions, how to, how to make the right decisions. And we end up with bumps, we end up with bruises, we end up with scars. All of these things happen in our lives. But see, Scripture tells us that the key to knowing what's right is to think differently. The key to knowing what's right is to think differently. You know, I struggled with this a lot a few years ago. I was, I had just finished up being a youth pastor at, at a church in, in Milford, Ohio. I was a youth pastor there and I left to go to school to get my master's degree. And while I was there, I was studying, I was getting, I had a job, and I thought that I was on the right path. I thought that I was really going to get myself set up for success and I thought that having the right education, I thought that having a good job, that all these things were going to set me up for success. But in the reality was, is that problems still came in my life. I had the same lack of direction and purpose because there was about a five-year period of my life where I was not in ministry. I knew that I was born for this. I knew I was called to, to be a pastor. But I kind of ran away from it for a little while. And, and after I was a youth pastor, I had some, some tough times there at that church. And when we left, I kind of didn't know what God was, had for me anymore. I didn't know what I was supposed to do. And so I said, well, I'm going to try the private sector, the regular world. And that's fine for, for you if, you're, if God doesn't have something different for you. But I think so many of us are in this same boat where we're trying to make the best decisions we can possibly make. We're trying to, to move forward and do the right things, but we end up feeling empty still. We still feel like all the things that we do, no matter how good it is, is still a dead-end street. My question to you is, would you ever feel that way? Do you ever? If you were to think about it, do you ever feel that way? Confusion. I mean, think about the fog, confusion, it's disorienting, no sense of direction. And there's another image that I put on the screen here. It's a collage of images that has magazines and it has TV and it has internet and news and politics. Everywhere we turn, there are so many different views. My favorite one was this guy over here on the right of the side of the screen. It says, someone has a different opinion on the internet. I better tell them that they're wrong. This is, this is exactly what happens you get on Facebook, I cannot tell you how many times I get onto Facebook and there's an article that somebody posted, hey guys, what do you think about this? And then there's 400 comments below it, all having so many different opinions. If you turn on one news channel, they're going to say about the very same story. They'll have one opinion, you turn on a different news channel, and they have a very different opinion. You could talk to your friends, you could talk to your neighbors, you could talk to your politicians, there's TV shows, there's the internet, there's, there's magazines, there's all sorts of things that are all trying to tell us what's the right way to live our lives. No wonder it's so confusing. No wonder it's so confusing. But here's the thing. If everyone is right, how can anyone be right? But if no one is right, how does that even make sense? How can no one be right? How can there not be a right answer to the questions in our lives? And there is truth. There is truth that's out there. And one of my favorite shows is The X-Files. And I've got another image right here. The truth is out there, folks. It is there. And today we're going to talk about it. If you want to know what's right, we have to begin to think differently. So let's go back to that verse, to that scripture, Romans 12, 1 and 2, and let's read it again. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. You're, first of all, you're probably like, what? 
are you talking about? What does that even mean? What does that mean? We're going to get to that. But then he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. So that's our main idea of the day. To know what is right, you must change your mind. To know what is right, you must change your mind. I encourage you to pull out that little notes page that's in your program and pull out a pen and write that down. To know what is right, you must change your mind. Why? Well, just what we just said. Think about that for a second. I'm walking around my life and there are answers everywhere I go. But all of those answers just bring me to more questions and they contradict each other on a constant basis. How do I know what is right? And the biggest question of all that people have been asking for centuries is how do I know what God wants for me? Well, that scripture just right there just told us is you have to change your mind. So how do we do that? To change your mind, we have three things. Number one is this. You have to understand the pattern. So at the beginning of that, that, that verse two, it said, do not conform to the pattern. And here's the thing about our world is that the pattern always leads us to self-destruction, constantly. I don't know anybody who is, who is living a life of complete selfishness who doesn't know Jesus. I have to tell you that most people that I know are actually on the opposite end of the spectrum. Call me a pessimist, my parents have all my life, but our world is littered with people who at their core will always choose themselves over someone else. When push comes to shove, we will always pick ourselves, our interests, our desires over anything else. And it could be something as small as, hey, what restaurant do we want to go to? And four other people want to go to a certain restaurant, and you're going to express your opinion that you want to go to this other one, put up a fight over it. Or it could all the way be down to the level of where someone needs your help financially, where somebody is hurting, or maybe even you did something wrong and they're not implicating you, but that person is getting implicated and you could help that person if you would just stand up and admit what you did wrong. There's so many different levels that this shows up on our lives, but it does. And that's the pattern of our world. And the pattern always leads away from God. And too often, we allow our minds to flow with society. It's like a river carving its way through a rock. I have an image of that on the screen as well. There's a rock that carves its way, the water that carves its way through. This river didn't start like that. But over time, the water has carved its way through this, through this canyon and turned it into a winding river. That's what happens in our brains. Have you ever... I want to take a little, little test here, a little experiment personally. You don't have to raise your hand, but just examine yourself. Have you ever thought one way maybe five years ago, and now you look back and you say, I have a very different opinion on that thing than I used to? Have you ever changed your mind about something? Has there ever been a conviction or a belief that you once had that you now no longer have? If the answer is yes, the, the chances are that unless it's moved closer to the way that Scripture teaches, you probably changed your way of thinking because of the rest of society said that that was normal. 
there are a list of things, a whole litany of things that if you turn on the television, if you go anywhere out in the streets or you, you meet somebody who doesn't know Jesus, if you spend enough time with them, you're going to see that there are certain hot button issues all over our world or our society that before long, if you are not settled in what you believe, it will carve its way into your mind and will shape the way that you think differently. That's why Paul, even Paul, who is writing the book of Romans, knew, he knew that even 2,000 years ago in Rome, that I have to tell them, do not conform to the pattern of the world. Because he knew that it will always lead people away. As much as, you always heard the comment, right? A billion people in China can't be wrong. Yes, they can. A billion people in China right now have this rule where you can't have more than one baby boy. And so what do those people do? They take, some of them will take their children and they will, they will, they, they try to not have kids or they, they have abortions or a variety of different things to keep them from, so they can make sure that they can have the kids that they want. There, and this is not just about China. This is all over the world. We make our rules to go with what we feel in our hearts versus what is actually right. And so we have to recognize that. And if we aren't careful, we will find that over time our thoughts and our actions will begin to mirror the world's way because it allows it to carve a path in our minds and our hearts. So to change your mind, first you have to understand the pattern. But then the second thing, as he says, is to renew your mind. So it goes on and it says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word there says to be transformed, implying that the world has already shaped us. I mean, we wouldn't need transforming if, if we were already in the right shape. But it's saying, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's already disfigured its ways. And renewing our mind means making the conscious choice to go against the flow. It's like swimming upstream. It's like a fish that is choosing to go the complete opposite direction of the rest of the school. And that might sound hard. That sounds difficult. That sounds impossible. I'm living in a society where everybody is going this direction. How am I supposed to go over here? Well, I'm glad that you asked. There are three things that we need to do, three areas that will help us. The first is our beliefs. Our beliefs. What do you believe about things? What, what is it that makes you who you are? And I would ask, I would tell you this, that if your beliefs match the people who live in your neighborhood more than they match the people in your church, then you probably have a problem. Your beliefs. How do I change my beliefs? How do I know what I believe? Well, there's three of them. There's scripture, there's prayer, and there's relationships. I have to read my Bible. Pastor Scott was telling us just before service started, we have a dream team huddle where we talk every week as a team who serves. And today was about spiritual growth. And he said, you can't grow. You cannot grow as a Christian if you are not going to be spending time with God on a regular basis. My relationship with my wife cannot grow unless we spend time together. The same goes for God. You cannot live the life that he wants for you. His best, God's design for your life cannot be lived unless you know who he is to hear what it is. You have to know what he believes, what he thinks, what his design is. How can I know what his design for my life is if I'm not actually like having a relationship with him? And scripture is the place to find it. Prayer is just having a conversation. That's, that's getting alone and getting quiet in a place and saying, God, I don't know what I think about this. And I will, I will tell you, 
I will tell you that God loves our honesty. He loves it. If you're struggling with something, if you feel like you read something in Scripture and then you look at your friends or even you look at yourself and you go, that's hard for me. That's hard for me. I don't know what I think about that. If you find that, be honest with God. Take a minute and say, just get alone and say, God, I, I read this and I don't, I, don't, I don't fully understand it. It goes against every fiber of my human being. I promise you that God will help you through it. He will help you work through it. And that's what prayer is for. He'll speak to your heart. He'll give you the strength to, to see that and to move into that. But sometimes just prayer and reading scripture is not enough. That's why he gave us people. And so our relationships are important too. It's important for us to have relationships with people who, who think like us, people who can help us with it. I mean, that's the whole reason why you have study groups in school, right? Is because it can get tough doing it by yourself, but when you sit down with people, you can balance, bounce things off of each other. And that's the same thing as having relationships. You can change your beliefs by spending time with Jesus and spending time with others, but you can also change your thoughts. This is because what you believe will change the way you think. So if once I decide what I believe about something, my thoughts now will change about that particular scenario in the real life. So I have to not only, I have to decide what I believe on things, but then I have to get to a point where I say, this is what I'm going to think. I'm going to control my thoughts about this. We talked a few weeks ago about lust and, and about how it, how it fights against love. And, and in, in men particularly, pornography is a thing that we struggle with because of our visual nature. And I challenged each of us, all of us, to see the value in other people. Well, if I believe that there is a value in every single human being, that when I am tempted to have thoughts about another woman, I can now not just say I believe it, but I force myself to think it. That person is valuable. I am now training my thoughts in the way that I believe. Your beliefs are one thing, but you have to change your mind to think that way. But then the last piece of it is your actions and what you think will now shape your actions. I got to tell you guys specifically, and this is not just about guys and not just about lust, but it's a great concept to bring up, is if all I am ever doing is thinking about women, if all I'm ever doing is thinking about how good looking these girls are, or I, I'm just thinking about it, my actions will follow. My eyes are going to follow where my thoughts go. I'm going to start getting on the internet. I'm going to start looking at magazines. I'm going to, while I'm walking around, I'm going to be looking on the prowl. And that's for everything. What you believe will shape the way you think, and the way you think will shape your actions. So if you're thinking, well, how do I change my mind? How do I renew my mind? How do I be transformed? To be transformed means to, to change the very things that you think about. If you find yourself having violent tendencies or angry tendencies... Well, then maybe you shouldn't watch or listen to violent or angry music or, or movies. And this is not me talking about what movies you should and shouldn't watch, but we have to be, stop being the victims of what our world is and start taking control of who we are. We can't pretend that our world doesn't shape us. It does. Our environments shape us and makes us who we are. And we're either going to fall into line with that pattern and that rhythm of where the river is taking us, or we will choose on our own to make ourselves who we are. That's why he says, do not conform to the patterns of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And here it is. This is all cyclical. Our beliefs and our thoughts, they lead into actions. Our actions reinforce our beliefs and our 
thoughts. So you might find yourself right now saying, but I don't know. Like I can, I don't know if I truly believe this, but I want to believe it. Like it's hard for me. I would say start acting that way. Why? Because it's cyclical. Our beliefs change our thoughts and our thoughts change our actions, but then our actions reinforce our beliefs and our thoughts. So start changing your behaviors. If you know something is wrong, stop doing it and get together with friends who will help you to live a new lifestyle. If you are saying, but I can't stop, if you feel like I'm always doing this thing that I hate to do, stop being the victim and get some friends who will help you. And this is, I'm just telling you guys, like you cannot continue to sit in your own sin, in your own disobedience. You can't sit in it. You have to change yourself. You have to be willing to let God change you. And there's the pattern. It tells you how to do it. The instructions are right there. Do not conform. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If there are things in your life that are pushing you away from God, that is not his plan. That is not what he wants. There is plenty of things in life that we can do that will help us grow closer to him and still enjoy our lives. Because guys, I believe it. John 10, 10 says, I have come to give you life and life abundantly. Not I have come so that you don't get to do anything and have fun in life. I have come so that you can enjoy life that I have created you for. You got to believe that. But you won't know what to believe unless you ever read scripture, unless you ever spend time with God. So that's why the passage actually starts by saying, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Let's read that scripture together again. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. If you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, if you consider yourself someone who wants to have a relationship with your Creator, This is what we should be doing. But then it goes on to say, do not conform to the pattern of the world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then it all comes together. Then you will be able to test and approve and know what God's will is. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now that word rubs us the wrong way, living sacrifice, or even just the word sacrifice. None of us like sacrificing. I don't like to give up something. I don't like not having the things that I want. Fasting is a perfect example of this. You could have the most generous Christian that I know, people who would be willing to give you all of their, their clothing, they would give you their money, they'll give you their time. And as soon as you say to, uh, to that person, hey, we're going to have a fast, and that means to give up your food for a season of time so that you can spend time focusing spiritually, I'll tell you what, like that's, that's where people, <laughs> that's where people say, I, I don't like this whole sacrifice thing. But it could be anything for any of us. None of us really enjoy sacrificing because it means that we're giving up something. It means that I want my cake and I want to eat it too. And we hear that all the time. It's like, well, you can't have your cake and eat it too. And I never understood that. Well, why not? Why can't I have my cake and eat it? If I had cake in my house, I'm going to eat it. And that's how we are as people is we want both. We want everything. We don't want to give up anything in our lives. We want everything. We want and, or, and, no buts. That's what we want. But the verse is saying that you are going to have to fight. You're going to have to fight with everything you have to choose to be different. 
And that's what a living sacrifice means. A living sacrifice means that you are a person who is willing, willingly giving up something in their life that is holding them back from becoming the best that God wants them to be. I don't know what it is for you. It could be something for each of you, something different for each one of you. There is something in your life that is holding you back. It is a blockade. It is a chain that is holding you to the wall. It is something around your leg that you're dragging along with you that is holding you back from being the person, the man, the woman that God wants you to be. What is it? What is that thing? And he's saying to live a life that you were truly meant to live, a life of freedom. This, this series is called Dying to Live. Why? Because we cannot truly live unless we give up all the things that hold us back. We are dying to ourselves to truly live. We have to become a living sacrifice. In the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, there's this concept of sacrifice. And you, you may be familiar with this, not just in, in Jewish history, but in, in other religions, there were the gods would ask for a sacrifice. That's the idea that, that, was, that was here, is, is putting yourself, your life on the altar, putting whatever it is that holds you back, whatever sinful thing. It could be sinful in your life. It could be an actual outright disobedience to God. It could be something that God has told you over and over again. This is tripping you up. This is the thing that is keeping you from me. I don't know what it is for you. It could be disobedient, something completely disobedient. And it could be just something lazy. Or it could be God is taking you to another level and saying, I want you to go even deeper with me. I want you to know me even more personally. But you've got to spend even more time with me. I don't know what it is for you. But that's what it means to be a living sacrifice. It's to, to sacrifice something on an altar for God. But we're humans and we are alive. He doesn't want us to die. He wants us to live. And this is alive by putting the death to our selfishness. This is daily choosing to surrender. We sang that song together, I surrender. That's what it means. It's saying, God, I want you. I want more of you. I want, I want you to tell me what I should do in life. That's surrendering. Surrendering my will, surrendering my plans, surrendering my dreams. And trusting that God knows best. It's daily choosing to reshape my mind, to reshape my thoughts. It's daily putting others before myself. And that's really what this series is about, is putting, daily choosing to put ourselves in the past and putting, putting others before ourselves. I want you to think about, as we close here, about how you can apply these, these changes to your life. Maybe in your marriage. That for a second. You can serve your spouse. I know for, for a few years as a, as a husband, I was a young husband, I remember I felt like marriage, if I would have said it, yes, I know that my, my, my marriage with my wife was, it's a, it's a union, it's a partnership, and we serve each other, but a lot, if I were honest, in my marriage early on, I served myself. I did a lot of what I wanted. I, I never did the dishes. I hardly ever mowed the lawn. I you know, I didn't clean the house. I didn't do anything. It was, for me, I wanted to come home and just be home. And I was content to let her do all the things that she would do. And I just, I felt like, I, looking back, I look back and I think, shame on me that here I am. I was a youth pastor at the time. And I knew, I knew what this passage of Scripture meant. I know that serving Jesus means serving others and laying them out in my life for other people. And here I was just not cutting it as a husband. And maybe you're in a marriage where you think to yourself, I could probably do a better job of putting my wife before me, putting my husband before my own needs. 
Serve your spouse. Well, maybe, you're, maybe it's your job. Maybe you should start looking at your job as not just a paycheck, but maybe as a mission field. God has brought people in your life all around you at your work every day, people you see every day, that you have a unique space to be able to build a relationship with that person. And maybe, maybe you could shine a light in their life that, that no one else will. Maybe your family, maybe you never thought of it this way, but you can take a very active role in shaping the faith of your kids. Do you ever talk to your, your kids about Jesus? Do you ever read the Bible with them? Do you ever teach them lessons? And then relationships, about just in relationships in general, adding value in life instead of what can I get from people. I know some people who have friendships and the only reason they hang out with them is because this particular person takes them to ball games or that person has a lot of money so they're always going to buy them dinner or they've got the coolest movies and TVs and things like that. Start thinking about your relationships and how you can add value to them, how you can bring life to their relationships. And even financially, think about financially. Where do you spend your money? Where you spend your money shows your priorities. What are your priorities in your life? Are they about others? Are they about helping people? Or is it about what I can accumulate for myself? Are you being generous? Start being generous. And so our challenge today is this. Take control of your mind. Take control of your mind. I mean, this is the entire, this is the entire premise of the entire book of, of Romans chapter 12. So this entire series, Dying to Live, is all based off of these first two verses. It's this concept of you cannot do anything. You can't believe in Jesus the right way. You can't change your life the right way. You can't be the best husband you want to be, the best wife. You can't be the best employee. You can't make the money and make it work in your life. You can't have purpose. You can't have direction in your life until you are willing to change the way you think about things. You're here today because there's, you've been out in the world. You have seen the way everybody else thinks and you realize there's got to be more than this. But you would be a fool to think that you could come in here and still think the same way and walk out differently. You have to change the way you think before you can begin to change things. And so a couple of thoughts that I had to that is first is this, is commit to engaging with Scripture. And I don't just mean commit to writing or reading Scripture. I mean, it's one thing to read it. But engaging with it means after you read something, think about what does that mean for me? How do I apply this to my life? Do I agree with that? If I don't, what do I think about it? How do I, how do I, why does it, I believe the Bible is true. Maybe I'll go ask Pastor Jared what he thinks about it or what does this mean? Maybe I read it wrong. In the fall, I'm so excited in September to launch our life groups. There's small groups we meet every week where you can build relationships with each other. And you can ask those questions. You can say, I've really been wrestling with this. This is what scripture's been teaching me. And I don't, it's hard for me to swallow that. Engage with scripture. I encourage you to engage with it. Two is ask God to give you understanding. Ask God to give you understanding. Just pray, God, I don't know what this means or... It's hard for me. All my life, I've been living this way. And now your word says to live this way. And I believe that this is your design for life. I believe that this is the way that, 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 that is meant for me to have your best in my life. Help me to move with that. Give me strength. Give me insight. Give me wisdom to see that and to know it. But then you got to do something yourself. You have to take steps to change your behaviors. And then I encourage you to build relationships and discuss it with other people. Come on! 
for listening to this message from Encounter Church. If you call Encounter Home, or if you would like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterPGH.com and click on the Support Encounter tab on the left side. This is a quick and simple way to stay up to date with your regular giving. We hope you join us next week.